the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God looks at the motive of our heart. It has nothing to do with our abilities, but it has everything to do with our availability. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching us God's truth right from the Bible with lessons that we may not want to hear, but we need to hear. Let's jump right in today's study. Listen, if there's nothing else that would lead you to believe that the Bible is true, look at the history of the Jewish people. Every single nation that has come against Israel has been completely destroyed because the promise against God's people is if you bless these people, you will be blessed. If you curse them, you'll be cursed. I believe one of the main reasons our United States has been so blessed in these end times is because we have been in major support of Israel. The last administration, you know, named Israel, Jerusalem, as the capital of Israel. And it's like we have stood with them and we have fought with them. And even though Israel, because of their sin before God, has lost their country a few different times, you know, most uh, notably here recently from A.D. 70 for 1,878 years lost their land, but God gave it back to them once again on May 14, 1948. And again, if you look at every nation, from Egypt to Rome, there was five superpowers that ruled the world. Every one of those superpowers came against God's people. Where are they? Gone. Gone. Every nation that comes up against Israel does not stand. And it's just because it's a spiritual law. So even though they haven't received and embraced the Messiah as Savior yet, yet I say, because they will. There will be a massive reawakening of the people of God. When will that happen? Soon. The Bible says when the fullness of the Gentiles, us non-Jews, come in, the rapture of the church will happen and we will be completely removed from the earth. Some people say, are you listening to fairy tales? No. This is exactly what the Bible says will happen. You and me, as true believers, we will be removed in what's called the rapture of the church. When that happens, the day that that happens, there will be a reawakening to the nation of Israel. The Bible tells us that 12,000 from each of the 12 original tribes of Israel, the very ones that we're looking at here today, there will be 12,000 from each of those 12 tribes, 144,000 that will become born again and they will evangelize the entire world as we know it. So that awakening is going to happen soon. As soon as the fullness of the Gentiles come in, that will happen. So getting back to Jacob here, Jacob incorporates Joseph's two sons as his own, again, as part of the promise of God in verse 5. This is why we see Manasseh listed in the book of Revelation in chapter 7. So when it's talking about this revival that's going to happen, Manasseh is there instead of Dan. 
Okay, the tribe of Dan is removed and Manasseh takes his place. Now, why is that? Well, maybe God did that because the tribe of Dan was guilty of idolatry multiple times in the Old Testament. Then in verse 7, Jacob brings up Joseph's mother, Rachel. His heart was still completely saddened by her death. This was the only woman that Jacob truly loved. And what a love story it was. Do you remember how that worked when we looked at that in Genesis 29? The Bible says that Jacob worked seven years of his life for the hand of Rachel in marriage. The Bible put it like this in Genesis 29, 20. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but just a few days because of his love for her. Why did he work seven years for her? Because Rachel's father, Laban, was a total dog. He was a conniving guy, and he talked Jacob into working seven years for free for his daughter. Then, as you know, on the wedding night, it was like, oh, man, it's been a long seven years. Man, I'm, I'm getting ready for the honeymoon night. Well, here, have another gallon of wine. Here, have another gallon, you know. And they filled him up with wine. Then he, he went to his tent to find his wife. He opens the tent door, he comes in, and maybe he's a little snuckered from the wine. He's like, honey, are you in here, sweetie pie? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm coming to find you. He's pulling the covers back. Oh, I feel a naked body here. And then he wakes up the next morning, and it's Leah, the older sister, that had droopy eyes. He's like, oh, best night of my life. <laughs> okay, this droopy face next to me. What? What are you doing in my bed? Well, Laban said, well, we can't marry off the younger daughter till the older daughter's married. You have to work another seven years for Rachel. Oh, what a dog. So here he's got now two wives. He only wanted one, which is Rachel, and he ends up with Leah also. Yes, it was a love, though, that was not common today. That is the love that he had for Rachel. Did it mean that they never had a bad day? No, of course not. Sure, they fought. You know, we're told that there were times of great sorrow in the heart of Rachel. And why was that? Because she was barren and she she couldn't have children. And it caused jealousy and bitterness in her heart towards her older sister Leah that got snuckered in there as a wife also. And she couldn't stand Leah. Why? Because she was pumping out babies like Octomom. So she's pumping out babies and she can't have any. And so there was all kinds of family problems. Yet God heard Rachel's many pleas for mercy. And she bore Jacob, finally, a little boy named Joseph. And later, another little boy named Benjamin. But in the midst of all of their woes, Jacob's love for Rachel never strayed. And now Jacob reaches out to bless Joseph and his children that he now claims as his own or part of the promise of God that was given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Let's read here together, picking up in verse 11 of chapter 48. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face. Again, they told him that he was eaten by a wild animal. And behold, God has let me see your children as well. Then Joseph took them from his knees, and he bowed with his face to the ground. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim with his right hand towards Israel's left, and Manasseh with his left hand towards Israel's right. And he brought them close to him. 
But Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was younger, and left his left hand on Manasseh's head, crossing his hands, although Manasseh was the firstborn. Okay, well, what does that mean? So again, notice Jacob blesses the younger brother, Ephraim, over the older brother, Manasseh. Normally, it would be the oldest that has the blessing. And in verse 17, Joseph wasn't happy about that decision. But that's how God wanted it in this case. It was God's will. For Jacob himself was also the youngest, remember? His older brother Esau was the older, but God gave the blessing to Jacob. And, you know, Joseph, he too was the youngest of all of his brothers. Well, Benjamin was the youngest, but he was the second youngest. And God's given the blessing to him also over all of the other brothers. So here, Joseph's younger son is blessed over the older. I wonder if there's anyone that feels like the lesser here today. Because God doesn't do this anymore. We're all on an equal playing field now because we are now all in Christ and God does not play any favorites with any of us. But maybe you feel like you're the underdog in every situation. You know, that there's always a blessing for someone else and not you. You know, maybe you're not the firstborn. I mean, don't you hate the firstborn? I mean, my older brother, he got all the privileges. Here, Steve, you have to go to bed. Well, what about him? He gets to stay up. Why? He's older. Oh, my goodness. It's like, hey, we're getting you new clothes, but you, you get the hand-me-downs. Here, have some hand-me-downs. Here, hey, we're going to buy your brother a motorcycle. Well, what about me? He's older. Oh, my goodness. You know, oh, you know, it was always him. He was getting this. He was getting that. And then he would burn my parents out like that first motorcycle. He tore that thing apart. He destroyed it. They took it in. They spent hundreds of dollars on this thing. And then finally, when they came to me, he's like, no, we're not doing that again. We learned our lesson. With the older one, huh? It's always the older one, you know. Oh, my goodness. You know, maybe you kind of feel the same way. But yet, we all stand as individuals. God will simply judge us on what we do, on the fruit of our lives. Remember, we're going to be judged on the motive of everything that we do. What are the motives of the things that you do? That's why the Bible tells us in Matthew 6, 19, Jesus speaking, he says, don't store up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that is where your heart will be also. So what he's saying is every time you do something from the right motive and the right heart, that is treasure in heaven because you're not looking to get a pat on the back from someone here you're just doing it as under the lord whether you're giving to the lord financially or whatever when you do it as under the lord that is treasure that is waiting for you in heaven yes it's not what we look like it has nothing to do with how educated we are it has nothing to do with how educated we're not it's not how well we can or cannot speak God just simply looks at the motive of our heart. It has nothing to do with our abilities, but it has everything to do with our availability. I wonder just how available you are for the things of God. 
you know, I was playing basketball on Friday with a bunch of 17-year-olds running up and down full court, multiple games, okay? And these kids were all getting wore out. I'm like, hey, I'm 62. They're like, get back on the court, you know? But uh, I could have been laying down and just taking a break in between games, but all these kids, there's like seven of them over at this table. So I just walked over and said, hey, guys, when's the last time did someone told you there's a God in heaven that loves you? And I got to share the gospel with them and just share how Jesus loves them, wants that relationship with them. You know, God wants to use us when we're in season and out, meaning when we feel like it or we don't feel like it. But getting back to our text, obviously Joseph was the most faithful out of all of Jacob's sons. And he and his two boys walked away with the first blessings of Jacob. Which brings up our final point. Last words from a father. Let's read chapter 49, verse 1. It says, Then Jacob summoned his sons and said, Assemble yourselves, that I may tell you what will befall you in the days to come. Gather together and hear, O sons of Jacob, and listen to Israel, your father. Reuben, you are the firstborn, my might and the beginning of my strength, preeminent in dignity and preeminent in power. I bet you Reuben wished that that verse would have just stopped right there. But unfortunately, he went on in verse 4, and he says, uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed, then you defiled it. He went up to my couch. Wow. Uh Uh-oh. So it didn't go well for Reuben. He's the firstborn. Reuben should have walked away with everything. He had it all. He was a man's man. He was full of youthful promise. He tried to do the right thing when his brothers were going to kill their little brother Joseph. Remember, he he took him, put him in a hole. He was going to come back and get him later. Yet his plan was foiled by his conniving brothers. Maybe he should have been more forthright with them as the eldest. But his heart was weak. And later on in his life, the lust of his flesh took over his heart. And what was he guilty of years earlier? It's now going to come back and bite him. You think you do something? Oh, you'll never hear from it again? Uh, Not the case. As Jacob said in verse 4, he says, Uncontrolled as water, you shall not have preeminence because you went up to your father's bed. You remember what happened, right? It was when... His father, Jacob, was going through the most tragic and traumatic time in his life as the woman that he loved, Rachel, was bearing their second son, Benjamin. You were told in Genesis thirty-five twenty-two, and it came about when Israel was dwelling in that land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine, and Israel, Jacob, heard of it. How low... Can you go? How low can you go? His dad is burying the love of his life, Rachel. And his eldest son from his other wife, Leah, sleeps with his dad's concubine. Who is this concubine, Bilhah, here? You know, maybe he justified it in his own mind, you know, because we take all the opportunities we can to justify our sin, do we not? We try to find some way where it doesn't look so bad. It's not as bad as it really is. Everyone else is doing it. But remember, Bilhah was given to Jacob 
by the love of his life, Rachel, as another wife. You're thinking, well, why would a wife give another woman to her husband as another wife? Because she was so burdened before she had Joseph as her son and Benjamin that she wanted to raise children through another woman. So he, she gave, so he wouldn't be in sin, this concubine to her husband as a wife and the children that came out of her, she was raising as her own before she had Joseph. So it was a wife of his. Oh my goodness. That's where Dan and Napatali came from. It was two sons that were born to Bilhah here. So there was no way of justifying sleeping with Bilhah. Yeah, maybe Jacob didn't love her. But whatever the case is, it's like you don't sleep with your dad's wife, okay, you, you don't do it, but he probably justified it, he doesn't love her just like he doesn't love my mom Leah either, so I'm going to do whatever I want, totally disregarding the wickedness of this sin, and slap his dad in the face of his own father, Jacob, we have to understand when we sin, we sin against God and God only, know this, if we start playing around sexually We can always try to justify it by saying, well, you know, I'm sleeping with my boyfriend or I'm sleeping with my girlfriend. Well, we love each other. Oh, really? Yes, yes. And we're talking about getting married one day. So it's like, you know, so you justify sleeping with each other. But don't say that you love each other because you don't love each other. If you love that person, why would you allow that person to sin before God? Because you're leading that person down in sin before God. So you're sleeping with your boyfriend, you're sleeping with your girlfriend, you don't love them because you're allowing this other person to sin against God. No, that's not love, that's lust. You're supposed to be the heart protector of that person. That's what you're supposed to be, not leading them in sin against God. Anytime that you disregard the commandments of God, you're sinning against God. It was David who had multiple wives, remember? And he wanted to go sleep with one of his major 30 uh, awesome men that he had, his mighty men. And one of his mighty men, he had a wife that her name was Bathsheba, and she was stunningly beautiful. And instead of David looking at all of his beautiful wives and beautiful concubines that he had, he had to have this man's wife. And so he went and slept with her. And when he finally repented of that, this is what he said to God in Psalm 51.4. He says, against you, God, and you only I have sinned, and I've done what is evil in your sight. So you are justified when you speak and blameless when you judge me. Yes, he realized, oh God, I've done this before you. Which brings up now the next two sons that Jacob talks to. So it picks up here, chapter 49, verse 5. He says, Simeon and Levi are brothers. Their swords are implements of violence. Let my soul not enter into their counsel. Let not my glory be united with their assembly because in their anger they slew men and in their self-will they lamed oxen. Cursed be their anger for it is fierce in their wrath for it is cruel. I will disperse them in Jacob and scatter them in Israel. Wow, well that doesn't sound like a good blessing for them. And you remember what happened, right, with them? 
We read this earlier in Genesis. Their little sister Dinah was violated by a man named Shechem. And he truly needed to be dealt with, severely punished, even put to death. Shechem needed to be put to death for violating this girl. But Simeon and Levi took matters in their own hands. And not only did they judge Shechem and kill him, but they poured out their wrath on every man in that city, killing every single one of them. Yes, these two sons were ruled by their own anger and their own vengeance. The Bible says, vengeance is mine, thus says the Lord. I wonder how you deal with anger. Do you have the, hey, I don't get angry, I just get even attitude. Do you pay back attitude for attitude? It's so easy to let things escalate. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 15, 1, it says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And I just wonder if there's times when you're starting to get riled up that if you just would have said something nice. It's like, if that's you, and you got a hot temper, do what the Bible says. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Stop stirring things up. Here's another area that maybe you struggle with, grudges. Do you forgive people when they've wronged you? Or do you just like, you smile, hi. (laughs) And you know you hate them. But the Bible says in Ephesians 4.32, and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, you know, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. When you forgive someone, especially the jerks in life, the ones that really try to make your life miserable, when you forgive them, you're not forgiving them because they deserve it. You're forgiving them because Christ has forgiven you. So you're just doing what Jesus has done for you. But see, that is treasure in heaven. That's one of those motives that end up being gold in heaven. Like, no, they didn't deserve to be forgiven, but you did. And you're not holding that grudge inside. Moving on, then Jacob goes on to sing the praises of Judah. Let's read this real quick. 49 verse 8. Judah, he says, your brothers shall praise you. Your hands shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's son shall bow down to you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He crouches, he lies down as a lion, and as a lion who dares to rouse him up. The scepter shall not depart from Judah. Wow. Wow. Wait a minute, some might say. Wait a second, wasn't wasn't it Judah that had the plan to sell Joseph as a slave to the slave traders? Yes. He sinned as bad as the rest of his brothers. But I wonder since his brothers, if you remember in the text, all the brothers wanted to kill Joseph. They were going to kill him. Maybe his idea, Judah, of selling him, maybe that actually saved Joseph's life. Plus, there's another difference with Judah. He showed the signs of true repentance as he got older. There was no way out of Egypt alive, right? Because remember when they were facing their brother Joseph, they didn't know it was their brother Joseph. He's the second most powerful man in Egypt. And there was no way out, they thought. It was Judah who approached this stern Egyptian, again, who turned out to be their brother Joseph. But before that was known, and it was Judah that offered up himself in the place of his little brother Benjamin. 
He said, my life for his. Take me as a slave forever, but let this little boy go back to his father, Jacob. Wow. Yes, over the years, there was a true transformation in Judah's life. This just goes to show that no matter how many mistakes that we have made in our lives, when we truly repent, God is able to forgive. God is able to restore us no matter how much we've messed up. Has there been a true transformation in your life? Is there a legitimate change as a believer? Is there things that are happening inside you today that God is moving in? Or have you just given up in some area of your life? Some area that you know what you're doing is wrong, but you no longer are even trying to overcome that sin. Is there something that you just said, I just give up on this? Maybe all you're concerned with now is like, man, I just hope I get to heaven. I just, I just hope I can slide in by the skin of my teeth. Don't ever give up. Don't ever give up. I believe that we're in the last times. Jesus could come back at any moment. I believe that we're on the last lap. Let us press forward. Let us live a life that is well-pleasing to the Lord. Don't give up. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.